Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name is Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating. We can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to. Or we could start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option and I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven-figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people and I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me. And I was like so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test and then I got a job with a major mortgage company. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me because I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like is it going to come into my life do I what am I going to do about this to being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings and I think one of the big changes that I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account I still believed that I was abundant I still believed that money was going to flow into my life I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was going to come so I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario you can step into that next version of you and that next version of you that higher self version of you she's not that far away as you think i think she's just there's just garbage in the way and it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results it's something i'm super passionate about and i hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram is the shit show of my 20s dm me and love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that today's guest is livy I love chatting with her. Livy is an author, podcaster, content creator. She has over 120,000 followers on TikTok and business owner. And she teaches young adults the importance and power of improving EQ and mindfulness. And we go into so many incredible things in this interview from her writing journey, her TikTok journey, how she's been able to get growth on there, and her tips for creating videos. We talk about her healing journey, dropping out of college, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. 
Well, thank you so much, Libby, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s so far. Feel free to include okay. any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. All right. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I definitely have a solid amount of shit show mo- moments. But yeah, my 20s so far. So I went to college for a year, had a full a full scholarship. And so it was a hard decision of whether or not I wanted to drop out but I did and then uh, and that was it the start of the pandemic so like March 2020 well I finished that semester and then I was like "Mm, I don't know about all this and so I applied for a leave of absence and I was like hey I have this this business going I want to write a book can you give me a year off as I decide whether or not I want to stay I I didn't say that to them but but they gave me the leave of absence I started my podcast today is the future right after March 2020 I also started writing my book the sooner the better and then I started getting more and more like business opportunities I was doing podcast production for startup companies so I kind of did that throughout 2020 and and that year was a big year for me as far as figuring out what I wanted, who I was. And that was actually probably one of the hardest years of my life. One of the most transformative, but probably one of the hardest years of my life. I was doing a lot of healing around just love, relationships, marriage. And that was a result of different occurrences as well as my parents' marriage. Uh, and that was something I was just really trying to intentionally heal that year, you know, transitioning from possible not going to college anymore. I was having struggles with anxiety, panic attacks. I've been struggling with like a borderline eating disorder since I was like 17. So that year was the year of a lot of healing and a lot of growth for me. Um, so it was, it was amazing, but simultaneously really, really rough. And in 2021, I think it was just a year of a little bit more calm. I mean, it was still a lot, but it was finally like a good heart. And it was a year where I really felt inspired. And so I finished up my book at the end of 2021, got to San Diego. I've met uh, my friend groups have completely changed this year. My my family got pretty displaced. I moved to San Diego. My mom got remarried and she lives in Georgia now. It's just been a, a lot of transitioning uh, career-wise within my family, personally. And so, yeah, up to now, I... I'm a podcaster, published author. I am a coach as well. I mentor young adults with their mindset, mindfulness, emotional intelligence. I, over 2021, I grew my TikTok platform. That was something I was very consistent at. So I've been able to build a pretty cool platform on there, which has been exciting. And yeah, and then I I do speaking engagements and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's been, it's been a an interesting ride. So I'm, and I think 2022 as well is going to have some pretty wild changes. I can already feel it coming on. Wow. A point that you were like touching upon that I think is so interesting is you use the word transformative and hard in the same thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we think of transformative, I don't think we necessarily think of hard too, like that it's going to kind of come Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it would be interesting if you could touch more upon like how you kind of viewed it and like how you were able to take the transformation with the hard and Mm -hmm. not like make it too much of like the focus be on the hard of it. Right, right. I think, you know, I mean, with any healing process or just self-discovery, it's going to be hard. But I think the, I think, you know, the best stuff in your life usually doesn't come easy. 
And, you know, I knew, you know, as I was working on like coping skills with my anxiety or healing my relationship with food or love, I knew I've always had a strong belief in myself that if I put my mind to something, I could do it. So I knew despite the heart, if I stayed consistent, because I've proven to myself in my past that if I stayed consistent, I could achieve X, Y, Z things and I could, and I could heal in X, Y, Z ways. And so despite you know, some of like the gut wrench, gut wrenching struggle and the, and the crying and the late nights and the panic attacks. I knew that if I, despite that, if I continue to stay consistent, you know, it's the way you transform yourself is just the simple tweaks you make in your day-to-day life and stay consistent with it. And so, uh, and same goes for any sort of healing process. It's, it's a, a bunch of little things and a bunch of little actions that allow you to heal from certain aspects of trauma or struggle or learning how to cope with XYZ things. So yeah, I mean, I think transformative and, and hard always kind of go hand in hand, but I think that's the way it should be because it makes it worthwhile, you know? Yeah. And I feel like for like a healing process, it's kind of like this, like you have your like highs and then it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. And then like, it's a low and then it's like a high and then like a low. Yes. And I'm curious for you, like what's something that's helped you through like realizing that's not going to be necessarily linear with your healing process. Right. Just how, how have I noticed that, that it's not linear or how do I get through the lows? I guess both. Yeah, both. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you know, I, as far as getting through the lows, I think it's funny because I'm a really, I'm a, I'm very logical person, but I'm also an optimist. And, you know, I, I constantly think to myself, what can I choose to believe that serves me best? And I think sometimes when you're in those low places, it's, it's easy. Like logically, it might be like, this really sucks. Like there, there's like only like a 24% chance out of here. Like I feel really, really down. And I think in those moments, I just choose to believe, I mean, cause you, you really do create your reality with thoughts. And so I just choose to believe that I won't be there forever because I mean, if I look at my, my past, I wasn't in a low place at all times there. And, uh, the, I think we really focus as a society on being happy. And I think we need to focus more on being human because I don't think there's anything wrong. We, we label the lows as wrong or like not good necessarily. But I think, you know, if life was all highs, it would not be very interesting. So I think also just having gratitude for them because I also think the best development of myself has come through the lows. And I'm, and I'm really grateful for that. And when you have like those lows come up, do you like grieve it for a certain amount of time before you say like, okay, I'm going to make a choice to be optimistic in this moment? Or do you feel like you're able to kind of go to that place of optimism right away? Depends on the severity of the low. <laughs> but I, I would say two things. Uh, one, I'm a big advocate for allowing yourself to feel what is asking to be felt. I think in order to move through, because it's as, as much as the lows are important, it's you do kind of want to move through them. It's not necessarily like as soon as you can, but it's it's not a fun place to be in for a long period of time. And so I think the sooner you can allow yourself to 
just sit in it and feel it, whether that's through meditation, journaling, talking through it with somebody, allowing yourself to feel like the anger, the sadness. There's nothing wrong with those emotions. If you can just let yourself feel them, I think unless you allow yourself to feel the things, the hard things, they're always gonna, they're always gonna be there in your brain. I mean, neurologically, your brain will keep on sending you signals like, hey, this, this, like, that's why we, that's why you might tend to be an overthinker or very anxious. Your brain is trying to help you saying, Hey, I need you to, I need you to listen to me. And I think if you can just say, Hey, I hear you. That's, that's something I tell quite literally like talk to my inner child or my mind as like a second person. And I say, I hear you. I am thankful for the the messages you're trying to send me. And so I, I always try and allow myself to feel what I'm feeling. And also there's a coin, there's a term that I coined that I talk about a lot called bumper buddies. And I think this is also a great thing to keep in mind when you get in a low place is having someone, having a one or two trusted people in your life or people that you love or people that have your best interest in mind uh, that can be your bumper buddy. So what I mean by that is when you get in a low place or you're like, oh, I'm the worst, I suck or I'm failing like, or nothing's going to get better from here. I think the ability to ask for help in those moments and be like, okay, I need a bumper so I don't go into the gutter. Like in bowling, in bowling, you put up bumpers so that you're, the ball doesn't go into the gutter. And I think when you can sense yourself going into the gutter, having the ability to be like, okay, I need someone to redirect where I'm going. I think that can help the lows not last for so long, but also not feel so lonely. And so, you know, since I was a child, I've been very independent. So learning the importance of asking for help has been a process for me. But I think as I've learned that it's it's okay to ask for help, it's it's helped me in a lot of ways and helped me um, be more resilient. I mean, it's a lot more easy to be resilient when you're not just relying on your own resilience. Other people can, can uh, join their energy with yours. I love the analogy that you just said about the bumper (laughs) buddy because I've never thought Mm -hmm. about it. Like I've never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. But like since November, I've actually had this best friend who has came in. She came into my life in November and she is totally my bumper buddy. Like I I, I I didn't think about it, but she is. And yeah it's it like, is so good yeah so good because it's made my life so much different than before when I didn't have that like before that mm-hmm. I would just go straight into the gutter and like I didn't mm-hmm. have any sort of like resistance or any sort of like point like that and I think that's so huge to think about because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like like me I'm I'm the same about being independent and I gotta figure it out all by myself and yeah, I can't ask for help that. So that's mm-hmm. been a whole process for me too, but that's huge to be able to have like that person who's able to do that for you. I think that's mm-hmm. like kind of underestimated in a way. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something we all need. I mean, I, there's, there is no weakness in needing help. I mean, you're just a human being. You're going to struggle naturally. Yeah. Wow. And I kind of want to go back to your decision to like take a leave of absence from college. I'm kind of curious what led up to that point, like what kind of like feelings in your body or like your intuition kind of like telling you that like it was time. And like, if you got any like resistance from the people around you when you kind of told them that this is what I'm going to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, Hmm. I mean, prior to considering dropping out, I, uh, I mean, I've always been someone 
very entrepreneurial minded individual. And literally since I've, I was a child, like little tiny three-year-old Livy, I was always someone that was either creating or thinking of like a way to make money essentially, or like make some sort of little business. Um, and it's just, it's just kind of like part of my being. It's what I find interesting. And so I knew since I was like eight that I would do my own thing at some point. And like entrepreneurship and uh, like creative pursuits have always been a big part of my life. Uh, whether that was like starting businesses or like I was a part of DECA in high school or I, was, I did a lot of video videography in high school. Like I've always been someone that's very creative at the same time. Don't mix that with artistic because I can't paint or draw very well, but I am definitely a creator. But, you know, leading up to deciding to drop out, I was just like, well, I I've, again, I've proven if I look in my past, I've proven that I know how to commit to something. I know how to create something. I know how to learn. I know how to develop skills. I know that I'm self-driven. Just And then naturally, the more I allowed myself to follow my curiosity at the beginning of, of 2020, opportunities started to present themselves. And I was like, okay, so now opportunities are coming. Clearly, I'm going down a path that seems to be attractive things that are that are meant for me and 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 so already having opportunities coming in what made it easier to decide to drop out but also you know when I was when I was going to classes or doing projects that I just was like I hate this or I don't feel inspired here I was just like I'm, I'm, I'm someone that talks a lot about like in my book I talk a lot about living in alignment and I think you, you can tell when something's off I think the hard part is accepting the feeling and so I would just kind of sit there. I remember sitting in classes and, and like, don't get me wrong. There were some classes or assignments where I was like, I love this. It's really cool. I feel really inspired. But I was just like, I feel like there's more. Like, I, I feel like my potential is just like banging on the cage right now. Like, I don't like where I'm at. And so listening to that feeling and, and allowing myself to follow it. And at the same time, my mom has always been very supportive of me and my all my crazy ideas. And so she, she didn't doubt me for a second. She was like, okay, like, I guarantee that you will also like have plenty of success, regardless if you go to college or not. Since a young age, she was just someone that if I wanted to do this weird thing or like wear, I don't know, my zebra duct tape shoes that I made to school in elementary school, she was like, yeah, go off queen. Like you wear that, you're killing it. And so she's just always been someone that has really ingrained the value into me of just being authentically who you are and listening to that voice and, and staying in touch with your inner child. And she's someone that I've always admired as someone that has been able to stay in touch with their inner child and their authenticity and so I mean I did have pushback as far as like relatives go or people are like that's a lot of money to give up on but I'm like yeah but the the price of giving up on myself and my alignment is higher and and I refuse to do that yeah I mean I know sometimes I don't know what I'm doing but I know that not doing it doesn't feel as good so I continue doing it <laughs> A couple thoughts going in my mind. One of them is like, I want to see what these shoes look like. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. So I wore the most interesting thing as a child. There's a picture of me in my duct tape zebra shoes that I made. They look like Tom's. I have on zebra suspenders and a zebra t-shirt tucked into my jeans that says, I love New York. It's amazing. I was killing it. It was really good. I have to ask, are you still into zebras that way? Like, are you still wearing zebra no. print? Or... <laughs> no. no, no, but I, I was very much, and it was so funny because I was so, like, even since I was a kid, I was so confident in, like, what I did or like what I wore it was like genuinely no one could say anything to me about what I was doing and I would like I would not listen and, and that was kind of the confidence I kind of exuded from a young age and I think part of that is from the influence of my mom but just you know kind of naturally falling into those leadership type positions I tend to think of myself as someone that helps people feel comfortable or feel like they can also be themselves around me and so yeah I mean like truly from like a young age I was just like I don't care this is what I'm doing I love that and that's so hard to find because usually like someone says something and then we want to take off the zebra shoes or like we're mm-hmm. like oh maybe I should throw these out mm-hmm. and I'm curious if you have any advice to maybe like they're they're in their zebra shoes all of these people are making fun of their zebra shoes they feel like they should take them off <laughs> what advice would you give to that person yeah I mean What I've found is, I actually made a video about this on TikTok recently, and I was talking about how I was able to get over most all my body insecurities. And the first thing that I mentioned in that video was really accepting and knowing the fact if I spent my life pleasing other people, I would never truly please myself. And when it comes to wearing your zebra shoes, it's like, it's so not only are you doing yourself a disservice by not wearing them and being who you are, you're also doing the world a disservice because there's a lot of people that need to see you wear your zebra shoes and, and need that light. And I like to think, you know, in ways when I've chosen to wear my zebra shoes, it's helped other people put theirs on. And, you know, at the same time like people don't really care what you're doing like if they do what about it (laughs) like okay I just think like the more we can like stop putting the spotlight on ourselves and being like everyone's paying attention to me and what I do really matters the more you can realize it's just like I don't know life is just kind of a game like it's not that serious like if anything you can just kind of if you feel like if you start feeling insecure about your zebra shoes you can just kind of laugh at them be like yeah that's who I am I love it it's it's kind of funny it's kind of dorky whatever but I like them so I'm gonna wear them Mm, I love that and now I'm like thinking about zebra shoes and like what form of zebra shoes we have on and Mm -hmm. like where where it is in us and so interesting and like I'm curious to like dive into like your TikTok journey and like how that started for you and like what was like the the starting point for you of like I want to create content like I want to create these videos I want to post them like I want to be able to do all these things what was like that starting point for you yeah it's it's actually kind of funny I started getting interesting interested in social media I started modeling when I was like 16 and that I started like growing social media like my Instagram that way and learning about how to grow on social media and then my senior year of high school was kind of when TikTok started to become known but a lot of people it was still just kind of like oh that's for like 12 year olds and it was kind of if you had if you had TikTok at the time it was like oh that's so embarrassing uh, like it was not something 
that was like publicly spoken about. And regardless, my senior year of high school, I downloaded TikTok. So this was like end of 2018. I downloaded TikTok and I was like, and the vibes were immaculate at that point on TikTok. I mean, it was just like super weird, like all these like furries and like animatronic, (laughs) like it was super like off the wall and just like so funny. I mean, at the time it was like only 15 seconds. There was no filters. It was very similar to Vine in a lot of ways. Like it was very bare bones. And I was just like, this is kind of fun. I was like, this is kind of funny. And I was the I was the type of kid, you know, I made vines, I made musicallys. I mean, being in front of a camera has kind of been consistent theme of my whole life. And uh, I was like, I want to make these. These are funny. Um, I've always kind of been someone that liked to get the room laughing. I've always been kind of the comedic relief in a lot of ways. And so I was like, okay, word. I'm going to start making funny videos on here. So uh, start of 2019, I started making videos. And I don't know, I think within like, my first month, I was at like 30,000 followers or something. I was like, oh, people think these are funny. Cool. And so I, I can need to post on there throughout 2019 but it was just kind of like a running joke with the other like seniors at my school of like they would find my videos on like meme pages or whatever and they were like they, I would have people send them to me and we would just kind of joke about it and it was funny too uh, at the time TikTok was very based on your location it would push your videos out to the people in your location so a lot of people started recognizing me in public which was very interesting because it was very very location-based. And uh, so that was like a funny, interesting experience. So I kind of, I posted throughout 2019. And so that was kind of my first experience with TikTok. And then entering college, I, I kind of stopped posting and then started getting, once I was in college, I was living in dorms. Uh, I was just having a lot of struggles with like depressive episodes. And I just felt really just really gross, just really unfulfilled. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll start making videos again. I haven't posted on there in like a long time. Maybe this will help me or just a way to like get myself to laugh. So I started posting videos again and I did that for like another five, six months. Didn't make me feel better. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, I mean, because also the comedy side of TikTok is a rough side to be on. I mean, people are brutal. I mean, I don't even know how some people do it. I mean, I'm on, I'm now on like the personal growth side of TikTok, very forgiving side of TikTok. Comedy side, not so much. Like people will gladly rip apart your appearance, the way you speak, just the way you breathe. Like they will gladly just like tear you a new one. And it was, it was fine. Like I never really took it. I mean, I, I would say the hardest thing when I started gaining traction on TikTok was like, oh my gosh, like millions of people are seeing my face. And I remember having like late night conversations, like crying to my mother, like, Leah, what do I do? This is so scary. And just being like, people are judging me. And, you know, she would remind me my zebra shoes were good. And, and uh, yeah. And then eventually I was just like, you know, comedy side of TikTok is just not the vibe. 
vibes are pretty negative here, not loving this. And so I stopped posting on that account, except for like occasionally when I was bored. And then at the end of, didn't really do anything TikTok wise throughout like 2021, except for like occasionally. And then at the end of 2021, I was like, all right, I have this podcast going, I have my book going, like I should start building a platform around this stuff that I'm starting to, to write about and talk about. And so that's when I started like December of 2020, I started posting consistently on TikTok and grew pretty fast on there, which was cool because I think having the experience prior of like, I knew if I stayed consistent, it was like undoubtedly that I would gain traction helped me a lot, like get that account going faster than the account previous. And so, uh, yeah. And then I just continued to, I've just posted every day (laughs) since over the past little over a year. And it's, it's definitely a much more fulfilling, happy side of TikTok. (laughs) Wow. And how do you come up with like a new video every day? Like, do you have like a strategy or like, how do you like stay in that mode of like being always creative? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely like an idea generator at heart again like going back to being just a creator in general I'm always thinking but I will say when you're someone that's posting that much on social media it does consume your mind a little bit um like not a day has gone by that I don't think about TikTok or think of like content ideas and but you know I think there's just I mean there's so there's so many I mean a lot of people ask me that question of like how can you possibly have more to talk about but you know I'm also constantly like consuming content or like learning new things and so or like I'm changing as a person so I'm sharing that on my TikTok account so I just keep like a running list of ideas or if I have an idea I record it immediately and just save it in my drafts maybe recreate it but I I don't know I just I'm inspired by the things around me and then I I post it I'm curious if you were to start all over again today with TikTok, what would you want to do if you were to start all over again, new account today? Like would I change like my niche or like what? Or like what just like kind of like someone? what would your strategy be or like what would you ah. be thinking or like what would you be doing in that account differently or like what right. kind of your, yeah. I would say it would probably be about the same just because I had a pretty st- solid strategy going into the account that I've created now just because I'd done it prior. And so, I mean, really like all TikTok is is consistency. I mean, there's, there's levels to it where it's like, there's like, I mean, I could get really intricate with TikTok strategy, but yeah, I mean, I would probably do pretty much exactly what I do now. I, I really, I really do like the content that I put out. So I don't think it would change too much. A video that you create on TikTok, do you have like a certain formula or like a certain way you approach creating that video or like certain tips you would give out about creating videos? Yeah. I mean, the main things, you know, I talk to brands and, and coaches about how to grow on TikTok. Your, I mean, your first like few seconds is super important. Your copywriting is one of the best skills you could possibly learn. Just like the art of holding attention, grabbing attention through words. It's also like a huge part of business. And so as like a writer and someone that has like studied copywriting just on my own time, the way that you like have a header. So a lot of my, a lot of my stuff is like 20 things you need to know in your twenties or things that people might be interested in or like, here's, 
is something I've been doing lately that has completely changed the way I function or whatever. Just like the the copy and the headline uh, or those first few seconds is really important. Also, you know, TikTok being such a fast paced platform, having something in the clip, generally the rule is like something needs to change every two to four seconds, whether it's like the frame, the text, but also I make sure to tie tie into my content stuff that's just like really raw and just like just a video like there's very little editing because I also want to keep the authenticity there and because when it comes when it starts to become all about views and clicks you're also not I mean I, I would say at the start I was caring more about views and clicks and I think I've transferred into this okay like that's great, but I, it's more about the community that I'm creating. And I think a lot of marketing agencies or people are starting to learn that and push that idea more that it's like, it's about fostering your community. Because there's a lot of people with hundreds of thousands of followers that could care less about who they are or what they do. And so, you know, also just being being real and authentic. And there's some, I mean, there's a lot of people on TikTok that are like TikTok coaches or TikTok gurus. And I really, the people that I tend to consume their content on how to grow a community on the platform are people that push the idea of authenticity and the idea of making the process of someone viewing your content as fun for them as it was for you to make it. Because I think the second I start like hating content creation, I won't do it anymore. Yeah. And I'd love to dive into like your book writing journey and like what that was like for you and like what sort of like did it bring up any insecurities in you about becoming an author and kind of like what was that whole mm. process <laughs> kind of unraveled? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I had the idea to write a book actually from a English assignment that I had when I was 16. And I started writing a book about my, um, so this was sophomore year of high school. I started writing a book about my family's experience. My dad got sick when I was really young, had my, he would, well, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness when I was 11 passed away when I was 17. But when I was 16, I wanted to write about, I had never seen a book published, written by a fairly young person from the perspective of having a sick parent. And I was like, I feel like this could help a lot of young people. At the time I had started listening to like kind of personal growth psychology type podcasts. And, you know, I liked like the chicken noodle soup books or like seven habits of highly effective teens. Uh, and also my family was a big part of, so the disease my dad had was ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. If anyone remembers the ALS ice bucket challenge, that was what he had. And it's a, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's uncurable and there's like no treatments for it. Like it's essentially a death sentence. And so I was just like, uh, we were, we were in the ALS awareness space a lot. We did, we ran 5Ks. We were, you know, we would work with like government officials or or so be it um we were just in the ALS awareness space a lot and I was like there's all these resources for like the adults or the spouses but like what about all these kids that are just getting like absolutely wrecked <laughs> and like there's they probably there's like I you know I had friends growing up that had parents that like had struggles with cancer or other neurodegenerative diseases 
And I was lucky to have a family that was very open and honest. And we had a lot of conversations about what we were feeling or about death. And there's so many kids that don't have that. And so they need something. I started writing that book. I think I wrote, like, I don't know, eight chapters. And I was like, no, I don't feel like this is quite what I want to put out into, into the world. Just because, and I talk about this in my, in my book, um, briefly, I just, I didn't finish the book because I also just gotten kind of sick of being the kid with the sick parents, just gotten kind of old. It'd been years of being like, oh yeah, her dad's sick and, and just being so involved in the ALS space. I just, I was like, actually, I don't think I want any more of it. And, uh, if the book isn't serving me, it's probably not going to serve the people that read it that much. So I stopped, stopped writing that, but it was my first opening to the idea of writing a book. And I've, I was always someone that, that like English was my favorite class. If I, if I liked the idea of the topic, I loved an essay <laughs> unless it was on like those rhetoric devices or whatever. I hated those. Like what even anyways, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, that was my first idea of opening to writing a book. And then when I was 18, I was listening to a podcast as I was weightlifting I was at the gym an athlete all through high school and I had this idea in my head and I was like maybe I should write a book to young people like all of this personal growth stuff is often pushed to adults when really I it, I was like I feel like young people really need it because it could provide a lot of clarity and kind of help curve some potential disasters if they kind of understood understood themselves sooner and understood what they wanted sooner and so I had this idea I remember just like pulling up my notes app like sweaty on the Vasa weightlifting bench and I and all I wrote was write a book question mark and then title so I'm 18 now what and so that was like the conceiving of the idea and so that idea just kind of simmered and then halfway through my first year of college so like the end of 2020 I had that idea kind of come back to me and I was like, you know, maybe I do want to do that book thing that I had thought of like a year and a half prior. And so I kind of just, I thought about it. And then at the beginning of 2021, I was like, well, I, I do want to do that book. And so when the pandemic hit and everybody went home, I was like, I'm going to start, I'm going to start writing it. And then I also started the podcast simultaneously. I was like, I need some sort of platforms. People aren't like who the frick is this kid coming out with this book? Like, what does she know? And uh, and I, I was I've been a, I'd been a podcast junkie for like years prior, and so I was like, this will be fun. Like, starting my podcast was one of the best decisions I ever made. It opened so many doors for me, and like some of my some of the closest people in my life have come via my podcast. That's a whole other topic. If you're a young person listening the way a podcast will open door for you exponentially. It doesn't even matter how many people are listening. But yeah, and then I started, I was like, I, I guess I just start writing now. And so, you know, I started compiling all these notes and like ideas around personal growth and personal development uh, into one place. And, you know, just like with an essay or there's like that Abraham Lincoln quote. And he says, if someone gave me six hours to cut down a tree, I would spend four hours sharpening the ax. And I, the outlining and like the getting together of all the information was horrible. It took, it was so hard. Like that was the hardest part of the whole process. Like not even writing the book was the hardest part. It was just like getting an outline of an entire book. Um, and like, 
figuring out what stories I wanted in each chapter and like what I wanted the book to be. I mean, like the first, the first three, three to five chapters were dumpster fires when I first wrote them, horrifying. And like my editors were like, I see that you're trying, but I don't know. And so just like getting a clear idea of like what I actually wanted it to be, how to, how to like, I'm also simultaneously doing research on like all the aspects of book writing. So book proposals, getting a literary agent, whether or not I want to be self-published or traditionally published, doing all this research on the book industry simultaneously. And looking back, I'm like, oh, you can like hire someone to teach you that. I just bootstrapped it, um, which I actually think was good in a lot of ways. But yeah, I mean, like getting getting the outline down was was the toughest part. I mean, I would say I spent so my book in total took me two years to write and get published, but I would say I spent about a year and a half of that doing the outlining and like I mean, it wasn't like totally consistent. There were there were weeks where I didn't do as much as others. Like getting the idea and the outline and the stories down was probably about a year and a half, and the actual writing was about six months, six to eight months, and then editing. It's like a whole other process that takes like five months. But yeah, I mean, it's there's so many aspects to to the journey of book writing that I just had no idea about. Um, I do have like a whole episode on my on my podcast, Today's the Future, if anyone wants to listen, where I like talk about my whole book writing process, like front to back. Wow. And I'm curious, were you like overwhelmed at first of like, oh, I'm going to write this book and I have no idea what I'm doing? <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was also simultaneously really excited um, because like, again, like from a young age, if I wanted to create something or, or make something happen, I did it. You know, if it was like, I'm going to make this short film, I would make it happen. I'd get my friends together and I would do it. Or like, I remember my trying to think like fifth grade, I was, that was like the rise of flash mobs. It was like a big thing on like social media and stuff. And I was like, I want to do one of those. And so I remember like getting, I came up with choreography and then at recess, I had a group of like 20 of my friends teaching them the choreography at recess. This is like fifth grade. I was like, we're going to do a flash mob. And so we did, we did like during, during class, during fifth grade. And then my teacher loved it. So she was like, we're going to do this at an assembly. I love this. And so it was just like from a young age, I've always just been someone that is just like a self-starter. And I'm like, I, if I want to create it, I will do so just because it's fun for me. Um, like I would say the the writing of the book was just as much for me as it was for the person reading it. And, and I think some people feel like creating for themselves in that sense is selfish. I think, you know, when you allow yourself to create for yourself, it teaches other people that they can create for themselves and so yeah I mean it was it was definitely overwhelming but just but just really exciting at the same time I think I think the more you allow yourself to be curious and like start a project that sparks your interest the more resilient you will learn to be when it comes to like the learning curve of like a new skill or project and like going from like being really like you're like really excited and then it kind of dips and you're like oh wait this is really hard and then there's like the valley of despair where you're like why did I do this and then naturally it kind of goes goes back up so I think the more resilient you can come to that like valley of despair the more often you go through it as life goes on I'm curious if people could only read one chapter of your book and only watch one TikTok video of yours what would be that one <laughs> chapter of your book and what would be that one TikTok Ooh, video man. of yours Oof. Uh, 
I would say for my book, I would say either the preface, like the like the whole idea where it all came from and like what, what the sooner you know the better means and like why. I mean, because truly I also wrote the book because it is like on a neurological level, I won't get into the neuroscience too much, but like the way your brain is developing at this age, like the book really is like an urgent alarm of like, it's now or never. Like you need like, I mean, not never necessarily, but it's going to be, it's a lot easier to your brain is much more malleable at this time and and learning to function in ways that serve you better is going to be so much easier to train yourself to do now than when you're 40 and so like that's like where the whole idea of the soon you know the better the concept comes from because it is supported by like neuroscience like there's like science behind it it's not just like me talking out of my butt but like I talk about those sort of things and like why the content in the book really matters so I would say like the preface of my book is probably the thing I would want people to read the most just because at least I could plant the seed of like hey this is urgent and also if I want clarity and peace it's available to me if I'm if I'm willing to grasp it so I would say that or maybe my meditation chapter. I'm a huge proponent for meditation. And then as far as my TikTok, uh, I don't know. I have so many TikTok videos. I mean, I my TikTok is based off a bunch of different series. Like I, I became popular on there making like personal growth series. <laughs> so I guess I would say like the series that seemed to help people the most was... 20 things you need to know in your 20s. So yeah, if you go to my TikTok playlist, I would say that seems to be the one that has really stuck for people. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to check that one out. (laughs) I have a final question for you. So if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you want to tell her? And that wasn't too long ago, but what would you yeah. want? What's something you'd want her to know? Hmm. I'm trying to think where I was at like a year ago, a year and a <laughs> half ago. You're going to finish the book. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, actually, I don't think she needed to know. I, I think the part of the ignorance was kind of a good thing. Uh, in certain in certain aspects, ignorance is good and others not so much. But, you know, I would also... I don't think I would give her advice. I would. I think I would more so just be like, you'll figure it out. Like you always do. You know, I think I'd just give her a hug and I'd be like, you got it. You know, you have it. Stop doubting yourself so much. I love that. I love that. I love everything you're doing. It's so cool. Thank and I'm you. so glad we were able to do this. And yeah, me too. Yeah. Where can we, where can we find you? Where can we stalk you? Where can we stay in touch with you? Yes, please stalk me in all, in, in your, in your free time. I'm all here for it. If, so yeah, on Inst- Instagram and TikTok is where I met the most. Uh, that's just at Livy Redden, L-I-V-I-R-E-D-D-E-N. And then my podcast is Today's the Future. That's pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then uh, my book that I highly recommend you get, especially if you're in your teens or 20s, like I am a real believer that it will help you in a lot of ways. If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling uncertain, if you're struggling, like the book will help you but the my book the sooner you know the better is available on my website livyren.com uh and it'll be available as an ebook on amazon later this year uh yeah that's pretty much me and then feel free like like if you dm me especially on instagram i'll respond to you oh yeah if anything like stuck out to you please dm me on instagram i would be happy to talk thank you guys so much for listening 
I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.